finally got a cool countdown, Brian. How about it? I love it. How I love it. it. It's keeping it 94 live. First time we've ever done this. We're joining everybody else that's done it before us. You know, the ladies over at Dishes and Dimes, Alex Kennedy and his Top Shot Weekly. You know, there's been so many great live streams that we've done so far, but never for keeping it 94 with Spencer Davies and Brian Fritz. Of course, a part of the basketballnews.com podcast network. Brian, we've got places to start here, but just first stream live for us. This is pretty fun and exciting. It is. I mean, I'm glad that we're finally getting to do it because we've been talking about doing this for a while and we're trying to figure out like when it was going to be the right time. And I know you did this to me on purpose because it's the day after my Lakers had their season end. So you purposely mapped it out like this, thinking six games are going to be toast, can't overcome the injuries. So we'll put Brian on camera right then so he can uh, face his team. Evil minds, Brian, evil minds. Before we get started, I would like to say that, again, we are a part of the basketballnews.com podcast network. We have so much good stuff on that website, guys. Former players, current players, all doing podcasts for us, doing articles, amazing reporting and film breakdowns from Nikias Duncan, Alex Kennedy, myself, our amazing staff of newsliners, and everyone just keeping that thing live and the best place for your possible NBA playoff coverage. So, Make sure to tune in over there. Uh, as for our podcast, we are uh, on all the listening platforms that you can think of. Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, you name it. So uh, make sure to go leave us a comment, like, subscribe, rate and review us, and let us know what you think. Um, we're hoping to be able to interact with you throughout this uh, because it, this is um, something that we've always wanted to do is get, get your opinions on this. So make sure to send some comments in and uh, we'll try to get it to as many as possible. But Let's start with the obituary that everyone's waiting for. Let's start with Mr. Brian Fritz and his Los Angeles Lakers, who went down last night at the hands of Devin Booker and the Phoenix Suns in game six to eliminate LeBron James in his first ever first round playoff series in the career of one king. First of all, and this is the right thing to do, Give credit to the Phoenix Suns. They earned this victory. Um, they had an amazing season. This is a team that almost had the best record in all of the NBA. They were the two seed. I don't. Some people thought that they'd be much improved. I don't know how many people thought they would be this improved this season. This team earned it. And that's first and foremost. I don't want people thinking like, oh, well, the Lakers just fell apart. I mean, they had their problems, obviously. But regardless, you face who is in front of you. The Lakers faced the Phoenix Suns, and the Suns handed it to them. And, um, you know, it's the first time that they've made the playoffs since 2010. So there's a lot of people in Phoenix that are really loving it today, and and they should. They should uh, be bragging about it, and they should be enjoying it, and we'll see how the run goes. Truly, truly. And yeah. and you, you mentioned that the Suns earned this. And, you know, there is so much buy-in from top to bottom with that team. Uh, it, it's not just Devin Booker coming out and – just completely lighting the world on fire. Let's let's be honest. That was pretty crazy, man. Uh, to have come out and what was it? He scored thirty three in the first half. Was it? And he had twenty two in the first quarter. There was one point where I think he hit fourteen of his first twenty shots and eight of his first nine threes. And I mean, to to do it in that way against the Lakers at the Staples Center, and do it in a way that was reminiscent of 
his idol growing up in Kobe Bryant. I mean, Devin Booker was just putting on an array of shots and he's done that for a lot of that series, but especially, you know, you know, put a stamp on it in game six. And, um, and he is so fun to watch and he reminds you so much of Kobe because while he'll take more threes than Kobe traditionally did, but he finds these ways of using, you know, mid court or, or midway jumpers, you know, to, um, to really light up other teams. And he's been very smart about it. And you can see the evolution of his game to where, you know, it kind of hit this crescendo in game six, you know, with 47. And the thing is too, about his game that, that I am appreciating more is how he's playing off the ball. He doesn't need the ball in his hands to be effective in the same time as well as a playmaker, just getting everybody else involved shooters on the outside, like, Cameron Johnson, you have Mikel Bridges always in there in the corner. And even though his, you know, his, his points value wasn't as high as usual as it was in the regular season, he was still an incredible player in this series, especially on the defensive end. Uh, you have a guy like Jay Crowder who was stone cold in the first like four games. And then all of a sudden started hitting his threes and, and started to, you know, kind of use his, his mental edge against these Lakers in a way. Uh, it's almost like the Lakers have done them. something to him personally and yeah. he wanted to have revenge against them. I mean, I, I'm trying to figure out like pinpoint exactly when that was, but um, yeah, I, I, I think Jay Crowder had a little chip on his shoulder. Well, you also think about that too, with Jay Crowder and the history with LeBron James, not only was he as his teammate in uh 2017, 18 season, but you think about last year in the bubble and Jay Crowder was a part of that Miami heat team. And uh, you know, he, he tends to try to get up for these games and I think this season he just had enough. <laughs> and, you know, a lot of people don't like the way that he handled his business. And that's understandable because it's very brash. And even this Suns team was a little brash the way that Devin Booker ended the game with the, the dunk. Uh, but at the same time, I'm not one of those unwritten rules people. Uh, you know, th that's just something to, to say that you sent a message and you sent the defending champs home in the first round. And right. yeah, there were injuries accompanying it, but you know, the Suns had dealt with that with Chris Paul. Chris Paul's still clearly not 100% yet. Uh, sucks to see Anthony Davis go down the way he did, hurt the groin injury. Um, but th there was, I, I don't think there was any excuse making here uh, on the Lakers part. Uh, just didn't get enough uh, all around. And that includes from LeBron James, I think. Yeah, you know, and, and here's the thing. I mean, you could chalk it up. And, and I've given all the credit to the Suns as, as they deserve. But the Lakers season changed the minute that Anthony Davis got hurt months ago. I mean, before that point, the Lakers are 21 and six. And then Anthony Davis goes down. And then a little while after that, LeBron James goes down. And while they were, while they came back for the playoffs, and we even saw a couple really big performances by Anthony Davis, you could tell that he wasn't still 100%, but you thought he's going to be good enough at least in the playoffs. And the same with LeBron. And LeBron was really working his way back from that high ankle sprain. But you could tell he was not right because he was not attacking the rim the way that we're accustomed to. Um, but, you know, Phoenix took advantage of that. And they pinpointed these guys out. And then they went after him. And then, you know, when it came to, to AD, things just got worse and worse. You know, you know, once you get to that game four and he got injured and the injuries just started to pile up. And this was kind of a catch-up game for the Lakers all season and that, like, they come off the short rest, like like a lot, like other teams did, especially the Miami Heat. But you know, a lot of other teams had to battle injuries during the regular season. They had to battle COVID, all these things. So the Lakers are in that boat. 
Yeah. They no get up, they get up to a great start, but then you know, one of your stars goes down, the other one goes down, and then at that point, you're having guys try to do roles that they're not used to. The chemistry is way off, and just things just unraveled from there. And they just weren't able to put it back in time. And then they ran into, you know, a young, hungry team in the Phoenix Suns. And the Suns had their number. Um, you know, I, I don't know how I, I would have loved to have seen it if everybody was healthy. You know, even if it meant like, um, you know, AD was able to come back even a little bit quicker or LeBron hadn't got injured, whatever it was. But I mean, it would have been fun to see these two teams matched up if there weren't any injuries. But, you know, injuries are always a part of it. And, you know, plenty of other teams dealt with it. And for the Lakers, you know, as much as people are talking about like, well, if they can just get healthy for the postseason, they still got to be the favorites because we're sitting there trying to figure out like who else is it in the West they could really see as a legit contender that can come out. And everybody wants to default to the Lakers because they've got LeBron James and they've got Anthony Davis. But the other parts just didn't fit, especially when your two top stars are not right. I mean, I mean, if they're not right, the other guys just are not going to work with it. I mean, at least they they need AD and LeBron to drive the machine. And when they're not going full throttle, you could see it affect the other guys. And mind you, I don't know if anybody expected it to affect them to the level that it did, where nobody could shoot. Um, I mean, nobody could do any of that. And just it, it got to a point where it was a mental thing. And like sometimes when you're like a role player, I think, you can rely on your star to like, okay, let's let's carry us through this hump. We can kind of get our confidence back or we can get on a roll again. And they just didn't have that here, you know? And when Phoenix smelled blood in the water, they went for it and they took them out. I mean, we saw that in game five. We saw at the beginning of game six, you know, the Lakers tried to put together a run, but it was, it was too little too late. And every time that they did and they got within like 10 or 12, Phoenix would hit like a big three or they'd go on another five Oh run or something. So they shut it down, you know, and, um, and now the Lakers are the ones that have to sit there and, um, yeah, they've got to take it because there's so many different questions about the future, you know, of this team. There's so many questions about the stars There's so many questions about how they're going to put together a roster next year. And people either love to root for the Lakers or they love to pile on the Lakers, you know, and if you're going to be a Laker fan, you got to be able to take it. And this is one of those times. No question. No question. And, you know, again, it sucked how the 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 season came to an end for them just because things were discombobulated pretty much all season for, for the Lakers. Um, and, you know, the rotations were different. I mean, shoot, Andre Drummond got zero minutes last night and he was brought in to be, you know, that big piece uh, to compliment AD and, and LeBron. Uh, ended up going to Marcus All, which probably was the right decision and probably should have happened sooner. Um, you know, Matres Harrell got some playing time there uh, in game six that that he wasn't getting in, in prior games. You know, they were trying out guys like Ben McLemore and, you know, giving other guys minutes to try and find something. And they almost did. They almost did. But it was just too little too late. Uh, another part of this series, too, uh, two guys for the Suns that I think uh, deserve a, a ton of credit. Uh, one, DeAndre Ayton and two campaign. Uh, and, you know, on our podcast, I've been singing the praises of campaign all night all day long. Uh, when we talk about that Suns bench and, and how effective it was uh, all season long, and campaign was pretty much the the machine that got it got it going, no matter whether he was playing next to Devin Booker or Chris Paul, and it, I think just the, the the speed and the pressure that he was putting on the rim, uh, the confident shooting beyond the arc, uh, he was just 
making plays left and right and pretty much playing himself into a paycheck. Yeah, and the confidence that he had and the trust that he earned from his teammates to say, Chris is down, you know, who's going to help us here? And campaigns really stepped up, you know, and and uh, that that's amazing. He was able to do that, you know, and, and you mentioned DeAndre Ayton. I mean, look what he did in the playoffs. I mean, sure, you know, there was some weak defense on him where the Lakers were not protecting him on pick and roll situations and whatnot. But you know what? Phoenix exploited that. And Aiden took advantage of it by getting to the rim, by rolling. He was hitting some, you know, little four or five footers as well. But he was always in the right place at the right time. And that, that's part of the game. Over 90%, I think, at the rim. <laughs> like, that's just ridiculous, man. That's ridiculous. And it, it was just so, you know, it, it's the efficiency. It's the, you know, not settling for jumpers, being the the, the guy to, to clean up a mess, getting to the free throw line. Yes, he can be better at the free throw line. But at the same time, you just think about all the good that he did. Uh, in that sense, and a, a lot of people around Phoenix, at least you know the fan base, the media, were always wondering, can DeAndre Ayton be the you know the, the the guy to to be a third piece that can be on a championship team? And I think in this series, bringing the best out of him, uh, and and really stepping up to the plate in one of the best debut playoff series as far as efficiency goes in the history of a big man, that's that deserves a lot of credit. So. Uh, th- that was a uh, you know big time series. I'm sure we'll ponder and ponder what the Lakers are going to do from here on out. Uh, but they're pigeonholed uh, was, what they could do. That that's the big thing that everybody's going to be talking about. Like I'm sure we'll is- churn out a thousand articles on that. Oh yeah, because you're sitting there going, <laughs> okay, what does Anthony Davis have to do to stay healthier because of all his injury problems? There's been talk about should he change trainers or change his workout in the offseason? What's LeBron going to do? Because now you're talking about a guy that's going to be. 37 and going 37. into his 19th year, you know, so what is he going to be able to do? What do they do with the cast around them? You know, they have cap limitations because they're already, you know, I mean, with four players, you know, between LeBron, AD, you know, KCP and with Cal Kuzma, I mean, they're already over the cap and that's even before they re-sign some other guys and, you know, what are they going to do to change the roster? Um, you know, I mean, LeBron and AD alone make 76 million. KCP and Kuzma combined for 26. Kuzma starting. Kuz just started that extension. Yeah. Yes. So, I mean, you know, and I mean, he's not even, they can't even really trade him until I think it's like July 1st or whenever it is. Cause there's, there's already people piling on code. They got to get rid of Kuz. Um, So, I mean, and there's a lot of different things like, um, you know, who, who do they end up keeping? You know, Dennis Schroeder turned down that contract extension. He's now saying, I want to stay there, but, you know, it's going to be for for big money, and the Lakers are probably going to have to pay him. You know, what do they do? With, can they keep Caruso? And, uh, you know, Montrez Harrell, who saw his role diminish, you know, as the season went on, especially in the playoffs, does he exercise his player option, or is he going to be able to find a bigger deal? And, you know, what happens with Drummond? You know, there, there, there's tons of questions left and right, and there's, there's limitations to what the Lakers can do. So, you know, it's not only two, you know, stars. One is aging and you wonder when age is really going to catch up another you know has not been able to stay healthy all the time and then um you know the supporting cast i mean obviously they need more talent the two things they need one is the most obvious thing in the world and every team needs it is you need shooting um and the other is they need to get more athletic and with their cap structure rob palinka and that group are going to have um they've got a tough task ahead of them but if AD and LeBron are healthy, you still got a head start. No doubt. No doubt. And 
you know, the, the years are going to be piling up on LeBron. I understand that. Uh, but his basketball in Q is just too good to not, you know, be LeBron James. And I think this is like the first time that we've seen, you know, a human side a little bit, uh, just a little as, far bit. As, yeah, yeah, yeah. as far as like, you know, he, he wasn't attacking the rim quite as often. He started to, uh, towards the end of that game six over in the third quarter and stuff, but a lot of, a lot of jumpers, um, a lot of passiveness, uh, that you don't usually see out of them. And I think that more had to do with the, the injury than anything else. And maybe it's also because Phoenix, like you said, came out and gave him a right uppercut uh, out out the gate. And, uh, you know, there's no knew. spacing for LeBron either. I mean, the oh, yeah, Phoenix yeah, made no. a wall and just mm-hmm. said, oh, you want to shoot? Go for it. Let any, any of you guys out here, you want to shoot? Go for it. So, yep. by the way, can can I um, can I put my neck on the line here and make one really brash, bold, prediction for next season for the Lakers go for it the starting point guard of the 21-22 Los Angeles Lakers will be John Wall all right says John Wall I'm sure a lot of people are saying Kyle Lowry some people are probably asking about Damian Lillard you know like everyone's gonna keep doing that I'm like how are you gonna pay him (laughs) John John Wall's gonna get bought out by the Rockets I think that would okay. be that's part of my prediction. That's the only way they okay. could do it. It's the right. only way. Interesting. Interesting. All right. Well, let, 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 let's speak to Damian Lillard. Let's go on and see what the other series that closed out yesterday was. And that was the Denver Nuggets going into Portland and ripping out the hearts of the Blazers. Uh, and, you know, a lot of people want to talk about Dame and the supporting cast there. And I'm sure we'll get into that. But I think this is more of an opportunity to commend Michael Malone and the job that he's done with this team, uh, just with their identity, with their their refusal to die, their uh, you know their mental toughness, the resilience. I don't know if I've quite seen that kind of mental makeup from a team uh, that a lot of people threw away as soon as Jamal Murray was out. And you know, I'm not saying that that. I, I thought this team was going to win the series because I didn't. I, I picked the Blazers. Um, but I was also smart enough not to know to to leave them to the side just because of that injury, because they had uh, you know a bunch of depth. I, I think the world of Monte Morris, and he might have been the second best guard in that series. Um, you know, I think that the story with Austin Rivers uh, being out of the league and then signing a 10 day and, and reclaiming basically, you know, uh, the position of being a key role, a key role player uh, on the, on this team next to an MVP and Nikola Jokic, uh, Aaron Gordon shot the heck out of the ball in this series and was a pivotal, uh, you know, played a pivotal role. And then Michael Porter jr. You know, it comes out, uh, you know, lightning in the first couple games. And then when he got to Portland, ended up stopped taking shots. So what do you do in game five and six took a lot of shots and guess what? A lot of them went in. So, you know, yeah, yeah. Them. You look at Faku Compazzo, who was an irritant to play against, uh, just you know, constantly, never stopping, uh, as far as you know, getting deflections and being up in people's noses, and you know, even though a lot of people don't like the the flop that happened against uh, you know CJ McCollum, but like just kind of trying to get that get that edge a little bit uh, mentally, so. This team, I'm not going to lie, I wouldn't want to see them. And I know that the Suns are, you know, well-kept and a very, you know, tested team already. Uh, but I would not I would not take out uh, the, the Nuggets to to not possibly make their, 
you know, second straight Western Conference Finals. I mean, I, I know a lot of people really wondered about what was going to happen once Jamal Murray went down. And I think, you know, the Nuggets might have been the favorites to come out of the West up until he got hurt. But right. once he once he went down, everybody goes, well, now they're missing, you know, one of their their big components. But Jokic has continued to play on this astronomical level. And he is a he's a matchup nightmare for anyone, but especially for Phoenix. He is going to be difficult. This is once again one of these games where you know size matters when it comes to the matchup between you know the Nuggets and the Suns. Um and, and Jokic could probably have his way again. And I'm going to be curious to see what Phoenix does. But, you know, you mentioned, you know, Michael Porter Jr. Been waiting for that guy to step up. He came out on fire in the beginning of game six. I mean, he was shooting lights out. And and the thing was, too, you know, as big of a punch as the Nuggets threw at the beginning of that game, Portland matched every bit of it. Lillard was on fire. That carryover from the instant classic game five where that dude could have been blindfolded backwards, you know, on the key on the other side of the court. And I think would have hit a shot, you know, because Dame was just in his own. I was audibly screaming like a 10 year old during that game. I'm dude, not going to lie. I was too. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I'm, when you're sitting here and you're doing the whole, Oh, you know, like that and stuff, you're like, Oh my God. You know, what are you, you're just an NBA fan, you know? I mean, mm -hmm. when you've got Woj tweeting, come on, you know, because this dude's banking threes and, you know, and sending the game into a second overtime. I mean, it, it was just incredible. But I mean, Dame came out; he was on fire beginning of Game Six, and and the Blazers had that game in control. They really, I mean, and you kept waiting for them, like put it away. They're like, okay, you're up by fifteen, you're up by nineteen. But the Nuggets just kind of stayed in it, and then at the end of the third quarter, they turned it on. And next thing you know, they're up, and their lead just kept kind of slowly growing. And you could tell that Lillard was tired. Things had gone oh, no on him, and he was that second half. You know, he was he was spent, and he could not do anything to save his team at that point. And the season just slowly and nothing against the Nuggets, but sadly, just slipped away from the Blazers. There, you know, and um, and now the Nuggets are are moving on, and you know, their backcourt has been just an absolute mess since Murray has been gone. Like you said, I mean, they're trying to put it together, but hey, give it work credit. Give, yeah, I mean, it's worked so far, you know, and give give those guys credit. I mean, Austin Rivers, I mean, I mean, like you Defensively, said. Defensively, the job that he did, though, in this series against, you know, against uh, Lillard and against McCollum. I know that Lillard dropped what he dropped on, you know, in game five, but I think that defensively he was huge. And then you think about the string of threes that he set off. I think it was in game four, maybe game three, but like. It, When's the it, last time you incredible. saw a guy that that's more or less like a minimum guy that's been around the league and just a role player play with the swagger and the confidence of an Austin Rivers? I mean, and, 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 and people have roasted him over the years for different things. And he comes on the court and he just has this kind of, you know, the swagger to him. Like, yeah, I'm as good as anybody on this court. Watch this. Watch what I'm going to do. Yeah. And uh, that's what I think I admire about him most is because, you know, most guys coming out of that situation, you know, coming out of Duke being such a highly rated player out of high school, you know, getting drafted in the top 10 and, and, you know, you don't pan out as that, that star per se. And, you know, you're scuffling around, you're, you're, you're essentially becoming a journeyman. Um, but you've still found a way to stick around the league and contribute in very positive ways and continuing to work on your craft and continuing to, to try and get better. 
So, you know, you got to respect it. And for him to come up on this stage, uh, you know, knowing that Jamal Murray, uh, by all intents and purposes, was the most, the second most, imp- uh, you know, important player on this team. And the way that Rivers and Morris and Composo have come together and tried to just kind of collectively fill in for that, it's it's commendable. And again, I think it the, the credit goes to Michael Malone uh, just for the way that he he binds these these guys together. Their biggest issue is when they just go on these random droughts. That's what I notice. Like you know, like if they go on a random drought, then yeah, they'll be in trouble. But. Uh, you know, it starts with the head of the snake with Jokic. You, you know, you mentioned it already, just the the, the problems that he presents. Uh, he threw some of the most ridiculous passes back to basket, just finding guys out in the corners. Um, he's just, his vision's incredible. The the shooting is incredible. Uh, the, the post moves, whatever it may be. Uh, he's just a, another level. Of, and then you think about two for the Nuggets, they're going to get Will Barton back here soon. Um, yeah. They potentially get PJ Dozier back soon. So they're going to get a little bit healthier and they're, they're not a team to mess with right now. I, I just don't think that because especially because of the experiences of the past and, and now that they've been there and done that. Well, we can get to the Blazers a bit here in a minute as well. And what we think is going to come with them. But I mean, it's an interesting series, I think between the Nuggets and the Suns. Cause I, I sit there and we talk about these matchups and I just, I, I look at, especially when it comes to the wings and how they match up. I mean, we know about Jokic, you know, and how good he is going to be, who's going to match up against Chris Paul and how healthy is he going to be, you know, on the other side. But, you know, if they get Will Barton back and if they can get a P.J. Dozier back, if they can help when it comes to their backcourt, you know, and we can see the Nuggets with a little bit more experience, obviously, than what they've had, you know, going through this in the past, you know, I'm – I'm really curious to see how far this team could go. And by the way, you know, you mentioned Aaron Gordon, and I think we both really like that move. And some people are wondering, like, how exactly is he going to fit and what's it going to be? I mean, this is the guy, too, that quietly, once again, is just doing the right things. And he hit the dagger shot that put the Blazers away in game six. Yep, put him up nine. Uh, But this series, you know, I'm interested in because Denver plays a very up and down pace. And the Suns are more methodical half court. So I'm wondering who's going to speed up who or who's going to slow down who, you know, like, and I think that this is where having a Chris Paul who's experienced everything. I mean, you saw the way that when the Lakers were making that run last night and cut it down to 10, how he was the cooler. And he was somebody that didn't rush possessions and to be able to calm down a team, a young team like the Suns in that moment and make them realize that we don't got to get sped up here. We're the ones in control. We are the ones who hold the keys right now. And, uh, you know, he slowed it down. I think he scored like 10 points in that quarter or something. Like, that's the kind of the, the veteran leadership that they're going to need in, the, in this situation against the Nuggets. Because the Nuggets are going to be hungry, man. You, you think about they missed out on the finals last year. Uh, the year before that, they you know, they got stopped early. Uh, they they are absolutely uh, going to be hungry for this. They are, and you know we. I go back to talking about like you know Jokic and what he's going to be able to do, and they're going to push the pace, like you said. Phoenix is going to try to control this. You know, a, as much as we can sit and going, okay, obviously they'll put Aiton on Jokic, but is that going to do anything? You know, and he's still going to be able to find other guys. But on the other side of the court, who 
considering Denver is not exactly a, you know, a defensive minded team, much to the chagrin of Michael Malone, who has pulled out almost every follicle of hair in his head because they don't play good enough defense on a regular basis. Uh, who's going to dart Devin Booker? Because you can see the, the confidence in that dude's game right now and where he is, because, you know, even like you said before, not only is he filling it up, but he doesn't always need the ball. And he knows kind of like, now's the time to get hot. Now's the time to get going. Now's the time to put up shots. But he doesn't force anything. You know, if he doesn't have it, I think he's more than happy to find somebody else. He's, he's, he's found that little sweet spot now. And you put that with the confidence and having Chris Paul, you know, with him. Even earlier in the year, what we were all talking about, like, oh, CP3 and Devin Booker haven't found their chemistry together. Like, the Phoenix plays better when one of them's off the court. But we, you know, we thought like as the season goes on and they get more reps, they can get past that. Well, now they're past that. And now, you know, they're in the playoffs. So, you know, I I, I think that pacing and whose star is going to be able to really kind of control things is going to play a big factor in that series. If I could actually make a suggestion, uh, and this, this probably won't happen because, you know, there's, you obviously lose out. It's a numbers game. Um, but if Devin Booker comes out and again, like goes like 20 points in the first quarter or something like that, I wouldn't be surprised to see Michael Malone go to Shaq Harrison again. Um, he did it for like a minute in the first half against Damian Lillard in one of the games and the like three possession that he guarded him. He got a missed shot, a steal, and I, I think a run out. So like he's got that weapon. He's got. You know, I think Compazzo will probably try to get it, you know, get under Devin's skin a little bit because Devin is definitely one of those people that that buys into that, you know, that game a little bit of of um, being able to to, to to get frustrated quickly. <laughs> I, I don't so. have Compazzo guarding him if I'm trying to be an irritant and I know that I'm bringing a double. Yeah. Because if I if because I think Phoenix is going to probably try to do a bunch of different things, like depending, I think they'll switch coverages, you know, throughout the game because they they just don't want them to get comfortable. Like, okay, are we going to bring a double? When are we going to bring a double? Is it going to be when you get to a certain spot, or is it when you get a certain touch, or is it going to be when you first put the ball, you know, on the court? Um, you know, are we going to try to single cover you? Like Aaron Gordon could probably try to, you know, I think that's that's an interesting match if they put Gordon on him for a little mm-hmm. while, you know, and and I think, you know, Phoenix is going to be in a situation where they say, okay, or I mean, uh, Denver's going to be a situation where they say, okay, we know you guys hit shots, you know, in the first round against the Lakers. Do it again. There's going to be some of that. Like, okay, do it again. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's, that's probably very, <laughs> that's what they want. They want him to just fire him up and uh, hopefully, you know, DeAndre Ayton ain't going to get as many offensive rebounds against someone like Jokic who constantly is, is grabbing those boards and, you know, has that bigger body that the the Lakers you know, tried to employ against DeAndre Ayton. But oh, the Lakers had big bodies. Guy. I just don't mm-hmm. know if they were good big bodies. I mean, I have a big body. I don't consider it very good, but you oh. know, I don't know if I'm stopping anybody. Oh. My, mine's big in the wrong way, though. <laughs> okay. Um, so you want to talk about the flip side? Cause I feel like that is a, a point of emphasis right now is the Blazers and Damian Lillard and what happens here now. Um, and I think that is, you know, really relevant at the moment. Uh, so a lot of people are obviously campaigning for Damian Lillard to request a trade for the fifth straight year. Um, don't put me in that. I don't. He belongs in Portland. I'll say, I don't know if that's what's going to happen. Uh, I think that 
this iteration of the team probably has to come to an end though. Uh, and that's no slight to, you know, any of the teammates like such as a CJ McCollum or a Yusuf Nurkic, um, you know, Robert Covington who just joined the fray this year and, you know, did a pretty solid job in the playoffs, honestly, uh, except for like a missed dunk, uh, which was pretty crucial, but, uh, yeah, two missed dunks you know, you almost back to back, but yeah, they need to focus on defense. Um, Zach Collins is going to, you know, make a big difference there. We know that he's had his injury, his injury problems, uh, since he's come into the league, but he's also been a decent deterrent, um, a decent enough shooter. Um, but this, this, uh, backcourt with CJ, I, I don't know. I, I think that the sample size of four out of five series that you don't get past the first round is probably good enough to say, okay, maybe we make a change, uh, try something a little different here. So what that move is, I don't know. Uh, I'm curious to see if they keep Norman Powell around. Uh, you know, he's going to cost a pretty penny uh, because of the, the, the shallow free agent class that we have coming up. Uh, but I think that the slashing ability that Norm brought to the table was big time for Dame. Uh, and, and then that's the funny thing too, uh, about this, this series that, you know, people cherry pick a lot and say, you know, Dame needs more help, which is completely true. Uh, but to the degree of, of, of where they're like, you know, you got to tear the whole thing down. I'm like, I don't think you got to tear the whole thing down. Just maybe, maybe make some tweaks here and there. Um, I, I suppose I'm- that CJ is a, is a major change, but like, the teammates in the games that they won, Damian was like averaging like 23 a game and like losses. Damian was averaging like over 40 a game. So clearly you want your teammates to be producing so that Damian doesn't have quite that onus. I have a hard time thinking that Damian Lillard's going to ask for a trade. He, he is, he loves Portland. He loves the Blazers. He's always said the right thing. And you don't just, give up on a guy like that. It's not a situation like in Houston when it came to James Harden. Um, I have a hard time thinking that Dame Lillard's going to, you know, request a trade. I mean, or try to force one. Um, we'll see what the future holds with him. But I mean, if you're Portland to me, I think you hold on to him and anything else you want to restructure, you do it. But Dame is still your cornerstone. The, I mean, they're, they're another team that's got cap problems. I mean, they're already over the cap. And that's even before, what are you going to do with uh, Norm Powell? What are you going to do with um, with Zach Collins? Um, Carmelo Anthony, and by the way, here's a little sub, uh, subplot on the whole thing. Was that Carmelo Anthony's final game in the NBA? Um, Shouldn't be. If It should not be. I hope not. Should not be. Should not be. He's, he can come off the bench 15 to 20 minutes and score and get rebounds. And he's shown more of a commitment on the defensive end than any time of his career. Yeah. Um, yeah, Nurkic, I, he, there's no way that should be it. Yeah. And you know, Nurkic is another part where I don't think Yusuf necessarily knows his contract or unless he <laughs> is going to be somebody that's going to be asking for trade because, you know, after the game he came out and flamed. Oh he yeah. He's like, well, him. we'll see if I'm going to be here, you know, like, cause well, the, yeah. uh, the right situation. Well, this yeah, is the right it. situation. I'm like, um, you, you, and he was talking about his contract, like, Oh, you know, only 4 million is guaranteed. I'm like, no, um, all 12 million, if they don't exercise it, you will be on the books and you'll be with that team next season. I mean, there's no way they're not going to do that. I mean, maybe they would trade him, but they're not just going to be like, oh, that's it. We're going to take the 4 million and bye-bye. 
Not, um, not to mention in that series, any time that Nurkic sat on the bench, they were dead. Yeah. And this cancer yeah. had a tough time. Uh, you know, they tried Rocco at the, I think Rocco at the five was honestly their best suggestion as a backup center in that series, but they didn't do it nearly enough. They had cancer in there for the first three games or so, and they got torched. They got yeah. torched. And, and cancer's another guy that, I mean, I know they like him up there and, you know, he's solid for his role off the bench, not exactly as a defensive stopper, but you know, he's a free agent as well. So, I mean, they, the changes that they probably need to make are upgrading when it comes to your wings and your bigs. They got to get more of a defensive identity. You know, you know, Terry Stotts has been the coach there for a long time. And, you know, he's like, I've got two years left on my contract. Well, I don't think he's going to be there though. And I think that's where one of the big changes is going to be. And, you know, there's already talk. There's, there's been some talk for like a couple of weeks, but even more today that Jason Kidd is kind of the, the hot name when it comes to the Blazers, you know, if they make a coaching change. So, you know, we'll see, but I, I, I think that's where one of the biggest changes is going to be is there. And then what do then after that, it's going to be, how do we reshape this roster where we can become more defensive minded and really build around Damian Lillard. And that probably means trading CJ McCollum. And I'm not exactly sure what they can get for him and who is going to be interested. I'm not saying they'll get nothing for him. He's a very, very good player, but it's, gotta get a small forward. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be fascinating to see what exactly this team does and what kind of parts that they move. Cause I mean, you could see wholesale changes. You could see one or two changes. Um, it could be a, a difference. I mean, maybe coaching makes a, a big difference with this as well. So, you know, Portland has a very, very intriguing off season coming their way. No doubt. No doubt. And, you know, I've put this out there on our show before, but instead of trying to get a hot name on the market, might as well just try and, you know, ask David Vanterpool to come back home because that's who, you know, Damian Lillard's endorsed for the last few years to get a head coaching job. He's over there in Minnesota right now. You, I passed over for Chris Finch. Uh, you know, it's almost like a perfect fit. So, yeah, that would be that would be another one. Um, you know, maybe maybe they they want to get somebody that hasn't been around the team for a while, like really look, you know, outside. But Vanderpool definitely deserves a shot somewhere. Hopefully, he'll no, get it soon. No question, no question. Yeah. Um, do you want to stick uh, on playoffs and the matchup coming up tonight? Because we usually don't do these live, but. Uh, we have one playoff matchup tonight, uh, which could be an elimination. Who knows? We'll see. Because uh, the the home team can't win in this series. Uh, so, uh, what what's your gut here? What's your gut here? Because uh, you got the Clippers going into Dallas, and um, yeah, it, it wasn't the best performance for the Clippers last game especially down the stretch when there were turnovers and turnovers and turnovers. Uh, Dallas didn't even shoot that great last game or the game before that. Uh, so they're due for another good, good shooting performance uh, from their, their guys around Luca. So what, what's your thought here? Well, I mean, you look at that last game. I mean, the Mavericks are held to 105 and Luca scored 42 of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just crazy. And, and the thing is like Paul George and Kawhi, they had solid games. It's the other people that are around them. And even, you know, down the stretch, you know, they missed opportunities, including they Nick Batum right at the rim, you know, 
Um, young so Terrence it's... Mann didn't know to take the layup. He tried to find someone oh, there at the end. That, that was one I, too. I, I was like, what are you I doing? felt bad yeah. for him, though. And, you know? and he was kicking himself. And that, that's just a, a young mistake. I mean, a guy that was in the moment, you know, but. You know, but two missed, you know, a layup even when he got it there, you know, it could help them. I mean, it's it's the role players of the Clippers, and this has been a problem all season for them is when they're in close games, you know, while you have PG and you have Kawhi, you need some of the other guys to help you out a little bit, you know, and they have not been good in tight games, you know, down the stretch. Meanwhile, the Mavericks, they have been, and they've got a closer, you know, with Luka that – you know, as as good as the two stars on the Clippers are, Luca controls the game in a different way. And, you know, it's going to be rocking in Dallas. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. and, and what I want to see is when it comes to this Clippers team, because when they were down 0-2, they stepped up in that game three. And, you know, because I was really wondering, like, do they have the the mentality to do it? Can Can they suck it up? And they did. But can they do it here in a closeout game? you know, as well. And if they get behind early, what is going to happen with this team? I mean, they got behind in that game three, but man, they, they sucked it up and they, they pulled it out and they carried over into game four as well. But you know, this, this is going to be quite the test for them. And, you know, we'll see if can Dallas really take it to them early on. Can they, can they start shooting? You know, it's, I think it's going to be, you know, an awesome atmosphere. I mean, this is what we've been waiting for. I mean, we've got fans there. We've got a meaningful game. You've got Luca. You're in Dallas. It's going to be, you know, full arena. Can they take out the Clippers? And if the Clippers go out, then you want to talk about a team that's got a ton of questions in this offseason and what direction they're going to go and kind of, you know, missing out on expectations and kind of feeling the wrath of people going, ha look at what you haven't been able to do yet. I mean, the, the pressure is immense for the Clippers to, you know, win this series, which means winning tonight. Yep. And that's, you know, that's a pressure that they haven't really had all year because they've kind of just flown under the radar. But here we are again, <laughs> facing elimination. Uh, you know, it's time to time to step up to the plate. And, you know, I just I have a feeling that it is going to go seven. Uh, you know, again, Ty Lue's been in this predicament before uh, as a uh, playoff coach. I know he doesn't have LeBron, but. I think that the adjustments that he's he's made for the most part for these Clippers team uh, to be in this series after going down 0-2 uh, have been good. You know, not playing Evita Zubats, uh, you know, going, you know, with his guys like uh, Morris and Batum and having, you know, Rondo out there with Kawhi and PG playing Terrence Mann more. Uh, I think those have been smart adjustments. I think that, you know, they just have to take care of the ball. They've, they, they've, they're a veteran-laden squad. They, they haven't played together much, but they're a veteran-laden squad. So if any team's built for this type of, of pressure and environment, it's, it's one like that. So what did, um, you, uh, what did you make of the Rondo death stare to Kawhi oh, at the end of Game 5? That oh, that, was, was, that got that was like right away. What are you doing? Yeah. What are you doing over there, man? I mean, you know. It was, I, it, I, after, it was after the quick three take, right? Yeah, they were down yeah. four, and it was in the corner, and Kawhi threw up something real quick, and that yeah. was ball game. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. And, you know, I think Rondo, he can have a big effect on this. I think he's been a little bit frustrated by obviously different things because it's like we have the talent. It's just making the right play at the right time and being smart about it. That's one of the big things that he cares about. That That's, that, that, that's Rondo. And, um, and I think that that is what has frustrated him in a lot of different ways so far, you know? So, you know, can, 
can guys make the right play? Can they make the smart play at the right time? You know, against, you know, a Dallas team that's, you know, I, I'm curious to see how far they can go if they get past this because, I mean, you've got Luka and, you know, some people wonder about, like, hey, they're, they're a nat- – Timmy know, Hardaway I, can go off for 30 any yeah, night I mean, he they, wants to. They're, they're a matchup nightmare for other teams. They really Dorian are. Vinny Smith so. has arms for days. Like, you know, he's been pretty much the MVP of the series so far, uh, you know, taking on the assignment of Paul George and, and, and guarding Kawhi. Like, he's been outstanding. Even the nights that he's not shooting well – uh, he makes a tremendous impact on the game. Can Mark, uh, you know? Mark Cuban's going to be sitting, you know, on the baseline at the game tonight in Dallas. Can we get Ballmer on the other baseline, like straight across from him? This is what you want to see. You want to see t- owner t- Cam. <laughs> owner Cam. <laughs> One's a little bit more, uh, <laughs> more, more oh, emotional Ballmer's than insane. the other. Oh yeah, you, Ballmer is insane out there, man. But, one will I mean, be yelling Cuban, to the refs, and the other one, while his team's winning, will just be like, "Oh yeah, like, like my Mark Cuban doesn't do that." Yeah, the, the, <laughs> well, yeah, Cuban does a little bit, but he's more of a oh, oh and you exactly. know, yelling at the refs, and then yeah. Ballmer's leaning back in his chair and you know, fist pumping or whatever. I mean, <laughs> just be something, man. But I mean, I'm something else. It, it, it's fascinating because, like I said, the the kind of the the after effects of what could happen if the Clippers lose considering the expectations of putting PG and Kawhi together and what comes next and trying to, cause I mean, they are really stuck with that roster and, but if Kawhi wants to leave. He could leave. Yeah, and then everyone's linking him to the Lakers already. Cause he's he already can't go to the Los Lakers. Angeles. He cannot go that. to the Lakers. There is no cap space for, for was, him. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Where are you getting it's this money? Some, that's impossible. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, he could go to the Knicks. Um, but he, but remember, he also wanted to go to LA because he likes LA. Mm-hmm. So there, I mean, I'm not saying he wouldn't leave, but I find that difficult. But the thing is, like, they're really stuck with the contracts they gave out last year, especially to Luke and Mark, Luke and Art and Marcus Morris. You know, with what they can do going forward. Yeah. No. No question. No question. Um, do you want to stick uh, with the the last team remaining here in the West? Or do you want to go uh, Eastern Conference hunting over here? What do you want? Well, to I mean, if you briefly want to talk about the Jazz, I, I, mean, I think we we the, the Jazz they, deserve to be brought up because yeah. a lot of people were talking mad s after that first game against the Grizzlies, and then what happened? Donovan Mitchell came back, and then the rest of the team just followed suit. You know, they stayed the course, and they just were the better veteran team. You know, games two and three. Clearly, you just saw the way that they closed those games, that they were more experienced. They've been to the moment. Mike Conley became the guy to send his old franchise home. No one really talks about you know, Mike Conley as much as they should, especially in this series, because he was just excellent. Uh, you know, Finding his teammates, shooting threes um, you know, in clutch moments, getting other guys involved, you know, taking it inside and using that floater. Like, he's a solid, solid player, and you know, he deserves his due. And just like I think, you know, Rudy Gobert deserves his due. And it's easy to be turned off by by Rudy's, you know, style sometimes. He can be a little bit uh, over-exaggerating at times uh, of, you know, with the, the flops and stuff like that. And I understand it. But when you look at the actual real impact that he has on the, on the floor and, and you look at him and you watch him, 
teams don't want to come in there. John Morant did. Don't get me wrong. John Morant tried to dunk on Rudy Gobert every single game. And you have to admire that about the kid. Yeah. Um, but but Rudy is just a deterrent. He, no one, if, if he is standing there as an anchor, no one wants to come in that paint. And that is kind of gets held against him because not a lot of defensive field goal attempts at the rim are against Rudy because there are teams actively passing it around like a hot potato if they see that he is standing there. Yeah. Um, and and the, I mean, the, you know, the, the way that he rebounds, the the offensive impact he had in game five was tremendous. Uh, you know, he's he's worked on that too. Um this team, Bojan Bogdanovic, uh, Jordan Clarkson, Royce O'Neal, one of the best glue guys in the game. Uh, they've got they've got something there. So there's a there's a decent chance. There is a decent chance that we see Jazz and Suns in that conference finals or Jazz and Nuggets. Um, and you know, good for them because there were a lot of people thinking that these teams were pretenders the whole time because it was just the regular season, and they're going out and getting the job done right now. I think so. And you know, you look at I I love the backcourt from what it brings for the playoffs. You know, Donovan Mitchell, I think, is like a you know, the next version of Chris Paul and the way that he can, can control games and just kind of his demeanor out there and what he does. Then you've got Conley as well. And hopefully he is okay. I know he had the hamstring injury at the end he's of the last game. reevaluated before game one, yep. Yeah, so hopefully he's okay. But, you know, you look at the team last year and carried over to this year, and, like, the roster really didn't undergo any changes. But they changed their style. They said, hey, we're going to take even more threes. We're going to play even more up-tempo. We're going to cater more to what we do. And um, and it is work for them. I mean, that's why they had the best record in the NBA this season. I know people say, like, well, there's still some holes in their game. Yeah, there are. You know, everybody has some holes, you know, right now, basically. I mean, you, you can sit there and pick apart just about any team. But, you know, when I look at the other teams, especially in the West, and I say, I, I think Utah's right there with, with any of them that are left, you know, and if that backcourt plays to the way that I expect, and if Gobert keeps playing, you know, defense, you know, as good as he is and doesn't try to overexert himself on offense, especially. And if they just hit threes, like they did during the regular season, I mean, they, they're going to be tough. I mean, they, they went ice cold in that game one against Memphis. And then since then, I mean, they've kind of turned it back on it. I mean, we saw what they did in that, in the closeout game where they just went full throttle. Um, but I mean, the, the jazz are, I mean, they're really, really good, you know, and I, I, I think we're going to see them in the conference finals. I think so too. I, I do. Um, unless the Clippers somehow find out to pull out too, and then, uh, get there. I well, think that, 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 that was could, your I pick. Think, I think that could happen too. You picked there's, the there's Clippers history there too. by the West. There's, there's history there too, because Joe, that's the first time that Joe Ingles appeared in a playoff game. That's when he went. He went legend against the uh, the Clippers. I think it was in 2016, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that was a fun series to watch. So there's some there's a little bit of history there too, even though uh, the the teams are very much different at this point. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. East, Eastern Conference wise, uh, what do you want to hit? I know you had a couple things here on the the outline docket that you wanted to hit that were not playoff related, but uh, I'll well, let you take playoffs. it. Well, when it comes to the playoffs, I mean. I think the matchup that everybody's been waiting for and looking forward to and is going to happen here in the second round is we are going to get the Nets against the Bucks. Love and- it. Love it. Love it. By the way, before we start on that, Nikias Duncan, amazing playoff prim- primer on that. Outstanding playoff primer. Uh, it's must read. 
Um, there is film breakdown in there. There is what to watch out for. That's live on basketballnews.com. Uh, outstanding job by Nikias. I mean, this, this is, you know, you'll back up in your corner and come on swinging, you know, between these two teams and yep. it, it's going to be fantastic. I mean, it's, it's too bad. They both have, you know, a few or an injury on each team, you know, nothing too major, but I mean, the Bucks missing DiVincenzo, you know, the Nets don't have Jeff Green right now. I mean, that you always want everybody to build full strength, but the stars are there. And we've got the big three of the Bucks against the big three of the Nets. And I think what it's going to come down to are the two things who can hit clutch shots and who can actually play a little bit of defense because both teams are defensive, you know, nightmares to try to stop. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, th- there's just like a a curiosity that I have there because you think about the perimeter defenders that the Bucks have. Um, you know, Drew Holiday wasn't there last year. You have Chris Middleton. Those two were just tremendous in the, the Heat series. Tremendous. Uh, you got Giannis. Losing Dante DiVincenzo, definitely a big deal. Um, but... Pat Connaughton can fill in enough, I think, of that role. Uh, he's not quite as elusive, I guess. Uh, I don't know if Pat Connaughton rebounds quite the way that Dante DiVincenzo does. Uh, Nakias made a great point about, uh, you know, DiVincenzo is really good at slithering around screens on defense um, and that, you know, Pat doesn't quite have that ability. He's more getting into bodies type of defender. Um, I- I'm interested in that. I'm interested in, DeAndre Jordan, does he get playing time in this series? Uh, because he no. didn't play at all. <laughs> no, uh, he does not. I guess he, let's see, you know, like there's there's quite a few factors here. Like the Bucks are so confident right now. And I don't know if, you know, this week off has has cooled him down at all, though, too. That's another thing that I'm thinking about. But the thing is that that I look at when it comes to the Bucks, and we always wonder about like, do you want to keep playing or do you want rest? You know. It, it sucks that they're losing. They they don't have DiVincenzo for the rest of the playoffs. But when you look at teams that are healthy, they're one of the healthiest teams out there, you know, and the chemistry is just incredible right now. I mean, we can see Brooklyn's chemistry coming together. It really hasn't been too big of a problem. It's more or less like keeping their big three on the court together. But for Milwaukee, you know, they played together for most of the season, you know, and we've seen that chemistry just grow and grow. And this is why, they went out and they got Drew Holiday because they said, we're missing another piece. And they said, you know what? We'll, we'll do what it takes to go out there and get this stabilizer, to get this veteran guy. And hilarious that people think they overpaid for him, by the way. It's just and, absolutely and hilarious. You look back. at it now, it's just like, okay, so <laughs> those picks are going to be late first round. Whoopity freaking do, you know? Um, and they got a guy that's, you know, just a, a third part of the big three, you know? And there's a huge difference maker, especially now. You know, in the playoffs where you need that guy. This is what has been missing from this team. And you can feel they've got a little bit of a swagger. Like you said, it feels, you know, even the last two years when they haven't gone as far as people thought maybe they would, it feels a little bit different this year. But, but now they have a massive test in that they have to face Brooklyn in the second round. Maybe, maybe it is better that they face Brooklyn now. I mean, Brooklyn's already obviously gone through a round against the Celtics. But maybe it's better that they face them now before the Nets 
can develop even more chemistry and, and everything going on. But um, it, it's fascinating to see, you know, all of the different matchups and cross matchups and, you know, who's going to be able to control tempo and who can hit a big shot. And is anybody going to play any defense, you know, you know, because I mean, there's points where they can and there's points where they're not going to be. I mean, how small are these teams going to go? I mean, KD against Giannis seeing that matchup alone. Um, it's, it's going to be incredible. No doubt. No doubt. Um, you know, I'm looking at the role players in this though. You know, a lot of a lot of this is going to be that three on three that 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 you're mentioning. But you know, I'm looking at the can Bryn Forbes stay as hot as he's been. You know, like what is what's Bobby Portis going to do in this series? PJ Tucker being another weapon of of choice for Mike Budenholzer. Do we see Jeff Teague at all? Uh, because of oh the, man, you know, like th- th- these are the things I'm thinking about. Um. You know, because the Nets equally have very good role players. You have Joe Harris, who shot the cover off of the ball this year. I know he wasn't like amazing in that first round series against the Celtics, but he had his moments where he came out flamethrowing. Um, you know, he's a got, massive yeah, X factor, massive. Got guys like uh, Landry Shamit and Bruce Brown, a huge piece. Uh, you know, D- Jeff Green not being around is actually a you know a big missing part of, of their team. Uh, just from the versatility standpoint and a, from a team morale standpoint, um, you know, Blake Griffin, you know, was huge uh, in, in the regular season, but he kind of was you know, kind of a little bit uh, out of place, I guess, in that series last uh, against uh, Boston. So, you know, we'll see if he can, you know, regroup. So they, they've got a lot of good role players going against each other. And, you know, it's typical typical me to look at the role players when you have the star power that is invested in this. But, um, you know, I look at that and, you know, as far as the nets go, you know, they're still only going to be in their their sixth playoff game together, uh, between James Harden, Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. And you look at, you know, James Harden sets the table. Uh, He was ridiculous in that Boston series at getting to the rim. I I think he shot over 70% on drives. Um, which was just in, insane. Uh, he had one-on-one matchups on the perimeter, and so he got past him, put him up for a layup. Most of the time, drawing a foul, getting to the line for an and one. You know, like it wasn't even just the step back threes uh, that he was doing his damage. He was literally just getting inside and getting past people. And it's not like he was even that quick. Like it's just he's so good at using his body uh, to to get into people and shield the ball. Um, you know, sometimes it is a wide open layup, but I just think that, you know, bringing that up is, uh, you know, necessary. And then, you know, you look at Kyrie and off the bounce, he's just, until we saw the other day, he's just like a show in and of itself. Like the way that he puts a ball on a string, spin moves, crossovers, the English off of the backboard on some of the layups. You know, the the mid-range pull-up, the threes from the right elbow, which is his patented spot. Like, it's just all a show. And he is just so talented. He is so talented as a scorer. He's he's the de facto shooting guard. I understand that. Um, but he is just such a fun son, such a fun player to watch. And then, you know, KD is KD. <laughs> KD sleepwalks his way to 30 at these days, man. Which you know, Josh Eberly brought this up the other day. For us not to be talking about Kevin Durant like he's a god right now, to come back from an Achilles injury, to be as efficient as he's been, to be 
basically just as athletic, just, you know, just as effective, not, if not more effective, uh, averaging more points, being on pretty much the title favorite now, uh, and doing what he's doing on a nightly basis is unheard of off of an Achilles injury, especially. I know the ACLs, you know, easier, easier to come back with, you know, the science these days, but my goodness, man, you know, you, you think about what KD's doing and it's just, wow. <laughs> yeah. I, I look at this and I, I, I think some of the biggest factors in this game are, can Giannis still put up points while being efficient? Like putting up 30 without having to take 30 shots. Well, they're going to drop against him and not yes. to interrupt you. They're going to drop yeah. against him. And that's what happened in, you know, that last game that they played in the regular series, mm-hmm. the regular season. And Giannis was knocking down 15 footers. He was yeah. just had him like just down in their heels. He was either on the baseline doing turnarounds or he was slowing himself up before he got in too deep and he was taking what the defense was giving him and he was shooting jumpers. Yeah. So they're probably going to try the same thing in game one, just because it's, it'll be a feel out. Um, and I'm interested to see if he makes them pay. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I totally agree. I think that's what they're going to do. But to me for the bucks, that's a big factor. And I think also is Chris Middleton going to play as good as he did in the first round. And if they can kind of get that, you know, great, you know, performances out of him, consistent stuff out of him and this whole round, that's going to be huge. And then on the flip side for the nets, you know, are they going to be able to get stops, especially when they go small and they've got Durant, you know, at the five or Blake Griffin's at the five, whatever you want to say. But when they have that smaller lineup, are they going to be able to get stops and critical points? You know, to me, because I mean, I, I really don't worry too much about their offense. They can go stagnant at different times. And do they fall into a rut where they're taking too many jumpers or something like that? Yeah. And that's what the Bucks want to do. I mean, pick your poison when it comes to the Nets, you know, when you're facing James Harden, Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, it's just like, I, I don't know, go, go to the church and, you know, get a blessing on you. That's all you can do at this point. But I mean, that that's basically what they have to try to do and, you know, keep the game close, you know, at different points. And then like, you'll know, pick your spots of when you can try to, you know, take advantage of them on offense. But when it comes down to the crunch time, can, can the Nets get stops? I think the Bucks can, even as difficult as that's going to be, but I do wonder, like, can the can the Nets get it when they need to? Gonna find out. Gonna find out tomorrow. I think that's the first game, right? Saturday, Saturday. Is the um, Bucks, Nets. That I, th- I sounds think right. Yeah, I believe it's Saturday. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I'm wrong on live television or live stream, whatever it's called. But I think that's the first game. I think that's the first game. Uh the first game is on. Yes, it is Saturday. 7 30 p.m. And then the other series will talk about the Hawks and the Sixers. Yes. Start Sunday, 1 p.m. Eastern. Let's get into that because who boy, I did I was, you know, it was a toss-up between the, the Hawks and the Knicks for me, but I just thought that the the inexperience would show. Cause you know, like you look at the Hawks and you look at the the Grizzlies and you look at the Suns. The difference between the Suns and those two teams is that the Suns have like multiple veterans that have one either been to championships or you know been all stars and and have like kind of held their hand in a way. The Grizzlies were like the second youngest team in the league. The Hawks, I'm sure, are probably up there. I didn't think that someone like a you know 
a, a Danilo Gallinari and, you know, a Solomon Hill would be enough to, you know, commandeer a, a young team like this and show them the way. But you're just seeing that the young guys took it right off the bat. And Nate McMillan, what a job that, that he's done. You know, it all starts with Trey Young, but I mean, you look at from top to bottom, there's just this young talent, man. And you think that DeAndre Hunter is not even like completely healthy yet. Uh, and he was a huge part of their team before he went down with injury in regular season. You know, Clint Capella is one of the most underrated centers in the league. Uh, you know, goes up and gets offensive rebounds, blocks the hell out of you, alter shots, the perfect lob partner for Trey. Another lob partner for Trey is John Collins, and he was just talking mad crap to Julius Randle through that whole series. Clint Capella uh, started like, trash talking out of nowhere because they were oh, playing man. so well. He did. No one expected <laughs> Clint Capella to, to, to be like, saying that, that, that the Knicks weren't physical. Like, that's crazy. Yeah. So, I mean, they, they've, you know, the, when it came to that series, I really thought that the Knicks could muster up enough offense against the Hawks. And the Hawks put together. I mean, we can, you know, you start with Trey Young, but you look at all the other guys and how well that they played. And, you know, everybody seemed to really do their part. They controlled, you know, most of those games, you know. Bogdanovich has been just a godsend uh, for them. Again, you know, I talked about Chris Paul being a cooler. How about Bogdanovich being a cooler? Like he, any time the Knicks mounted any run in that series, Bogdanovich would come down and hit a three. And I mean, I know that you know it gets repetitive, hit a three, hit a three, but like legit, like he he's yeah, he the cooler. He, he is the cooler. And you know, even Kevin Herter had his moments in this series. Like they they have a lot of. I don't know if they have the same confidence as the Suns, but you know, Trey being the head of the snake, I think that, you know, he's got them in this mind frame of we're playing with house money at this point. Exactly. I mean, they have nothing to lose. I mean, some people really wondered like happily through the season, you know, were they even going to make the playoffs much less end up, you know, in the four seed. Now they're in the second round of taking out the Knicks and they're going to take on, you know, a Sixers team that once again, one of the favorites to come out of the East, but the big question mark is Joel Embiid and his health. Now he's got the small meniscus tear. He's day to day. Day to and day. That, my ass, by the way, like he's hurting. that you can't have a meniscus tear and be day to day, man. I, I was going to, I was going to say if you're, if you're Philly, I mean, I and obviously we, we don't know, you know, the situation when it comes to Embiid's health as well as the team does. But when you hear small meniscus tear and he's, been you know been sitting and working on this for what like four days now or something like that yeah do you even play him in game one Dude, i i wouldn't and i don't know how negligent it would be if they did like you gotta you gotta really weigh the risks of this um it's all I, found it to like- I found it interesting too by the way the the way that they closed against the wizards were <laughs> Ben Simmons was essentially the center. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, so. it was like Magic Johnson 1980 finals, you know? Um, but, I I mean, if they don't have Embiid, I mean, I don't think they're going to win at all. But, I mean, I think that leaves the door wide open for the Hawks to beat them because you're talking about, without Embiid, it's just a game of, it's going to be kind of a track meet, I think, of going up and down and up and down and up and down, you know, and who can actually get some stops. And that's a pace that favors the hell out of the Hawks. But I will say this. Mm-hmm. The Sixers do have shooters. We know that Seth Curry yep. 
can can light it up. What did he have? Thirty in the closing game. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you you have Tobias Harris who is is hell bent on showing that he's absolutely going to be a piece on a championship team. We have the big uh, three, not the big the, two and a half. Right. That's what I'm saying. Like the, you know, Danny green's been there, done that for like every possible team. So like by no means should we, you know, count out the Sixers. Um, you As know, a even, Laker even, fan, can I apologize to Danny green for all of the, um, the, the hits that that guy's taken from just recruiting him to come back. Well, no, it's not that. It's just like he got unfairly picked on by so many different Laker fans, you, you know, last season and this season. People that were flat out, um, shall we say, buttholes about the whole situation and Danny Green throughout the season. And all he's done is once again, like hit threes at a good clip, plays defense, and is a great veteran presence on the court. Yeah, no, no question. And uh, he's been huge. He's been huge for them. I miss you, Danny. Uh, I, I miss you. <laughs> I miss you so much. We brought this up early in the season too. This is why you have Dwight Howard. So now you don't have to worry quite as much as you would have in previous season, you know, like, so you, you're still okay. You're, you know, you're still have your, your home court and, and stuff like that. You're facing an inexperienced team, but I'm with you though. Cause when you're missing someone of that caliber, and you've played it without him. So that actually probably helps that Embiid was out for it that is, stretch but, during the regular but like season. But. but I mean, he, they can't match up against him. No. You, you just can't. No. And, and and now it becomes a little bit more of a coin flip on who's going to win. I mean, Philly still has the pieces where they can do it. But when you're missing your best player, who you would think would not just play good in a series like this, like he would dominate in this no series, like just just flat out crush. I think and Capella would have given him a fight if that if 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 they're gonna play him, but we'll, we'll I, see. But I, I I think that that Embiid's probably gonna do that against everybody, right? I, and, I don't know and no one can mention could match up with the 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 stature and the 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 brawn that he brings, and also right. the at the same at the same time, like what I wrote on on basketballnews.com, just the nimble nature about the way that he drives and gets downhill. Uh, you know, and does pull up jumpers. There's no one like a Joel Embiid in the league. And that's the whole uh, thing now. Like, it's crazy. We're going to have to see when it comes to Embiid and his health. To me, it's going to be like, how big can he change direction? He might just be relegated to the post. He yeah, might he be might. just spotting up. Like, because you're not going to want to take that chance to move and, and make those quick cuts and those right. Euro steps. Like, can he, can he make the cuts on defense, you know, as well, rather than just being the guy that's, going to be a huge guy that can still, you know, deter shots, but not be the presence they typically can. And what's he going to be like getting up and down the court? Like what's his gate going to be in like all these different, I mean, there's, there's different things like that, that I really wonder if they say, you know what game one, we're going to see how it goes. We're not, we're not going to do this. We're not going to play him. We're not going to play him. I was going to say, don't play him. Yeah. Don't Don't play him. him. And then, you know, then if, if you win that game, if you're the Sixers, then you could probably say, let's buy him some more time and now play him in game two, depending on his health status and what they see and what the doctors see, say and all that. But it puts more emphasis on him, obviously, to play in a game two. Like if, it, if they're on the fence and they're down a one, you know, maybe you put them in there, you know, but if you're up, you know, one oh, and, you know, you're on the fence, then you could buy him a little bit more time and say, hey, we're, we're going to bench him. You know, we'll, we'll play it safe. Yes, agreed. And you just don't want to mess with that. Like we saw what just happened with AD 
for goodness sake. You know, like you don't want that happening to somebody who probably would have been in the MVP running. Because uh, the thing is, like, he's, like you've got a you've got a meniscus tear. Who's not to say that you don't overcompensate? Next thing you know, okay, now and you I've know got, his injury history too. Yeah, like now, that's the other thing. Okay, so now I've got you know now I've got a groin injury, you know, or oh now I put too much weight on my other leg and I screwed up my knee or my ankle or something in my other leg. So I mean that that's the way that these things go. Is like one injury and you overcompensate. Next thing you know, you've hurt something else. So, you know, and this isn't a team that like is happy to get to the second round. This is a team that has championship aspirations and rightfully so. So, um, you know, if Embiid cannot play in the series, I think it really opens it up. And I'm not going to discount the Hawks. If, if Embiid is close to being 100% and can play, I think the Sixers have a big advantage. But if they don't, um, you know, I'm not going to discount the Hawks with the swagger that they're playing with right now. No, you can't. You can't. And uh quick plug too, by the way, when we talk about clearing of injuries and team doctors and whatnot, Ari Tan Thomas did an excellent article today uh, based on uh, the decision to play Anthony Davis last night uh, for the Lakers and how it was irresponsible. And he actually took you know firsthand perspectives of when he was with the Washington Wizards and seeing teammates of his uh, get cleared for games and being told to to tough things out. And it led to, to later damage, you know, uh, whether it was in that season or down the line and, uh, you know, provided plenty of examples. Uh, so if y'all want to check that out, um, it's it's really good in-depth perspective. And it, it's very relevant uh, to what happened with Anthony Davis last night and then possibly with what happens with Embiid here, depending on whether they play him or not. Yeah, when it comes to the Lakers, there were reportedly there were teammates of Anthony Davis's that were saying, do not play. Yep. I'm, I'm seeing the way that you're, you're moving. Don't play. The doctors, I think basically just said, well, you're not moving well, but we do not believe that you could hurt yourself even worse. Like you're not opening yourself up to like some horrific injury by playing. And AD just felt like I need to at least try. You know, but look, he went out five minutes. It was already done. You but, credit the guy. You credit the I, guy. I credit him. It's just like I, I don't think anybody like tried to goad him or guilt him into it. But at the same, right. time, I, I credit him. But like, there, he should not have been on the court. I mean, you could, you could well, see it within the first. Five I, I I really wish, and I'm not going to put all the blame on them, you know, because I think AD was going to really kind of, you know, force his way into this. I really wish the doctors had just made the decision for him and say, you know what, I don't care if you can hurt yourself further or not. No. We're, yeah. we're gonna we're gonna make the decision for you because we know you as the athlete their go out there and play, and we're just gonna shut that down right now. We'll take the heat. It's their job. It's their job. It's almost like look what happened with Donovan Mitchell in Game One of the Jazz, and he was supposed to go, and then they made the last minute decision to say, "Hey, you know what? Let, you know, let's give it another game." Yep. Uh, and it frustrates the hell out of a player. You understand that, but it is the doctor's job to let you know when you cannot and can go. Uh, and that's the the conflict of interest that Tan was talking about in this article about doctors that work for teams and then doctors that have a second opinion that are not connected to those teams and the priorities that come with it. So, again, that's a good article. So you guys definitely got to go check that out. Um, before we get to the Celtics, I was going to say you're spoiling it. You're spoiling before you it. get to the Celtics, though. Yeah. Let's put ourselves on the line here a little bit oh and let's give some predictions. Uh you know, let's do it, man. Let's okay. Let's let's start with the East, then we'll go to the West. Okay. 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 
Sixers Hawks. I, I got to still stick with the Sixers and I'll, I'll say in seven, I don't know Joel Embiid's health, but even without Joel Embiid, I think that the Sixers have a little too much just defensively. Uh, and uh, again, experience on that end. I think that Thibel, Matisse Thibel is going to be put on Trey young, uh, quite a bit. And Thibel is one of the best defenders in the league. Uh, not only from an on-ball standpoint, but from a flying around, and I believe Zach Lowe called it phasing from one side of the court to the other. Uh, so his activity, I think, is going to really put some pressure on them. So I'll go with Sixers and seven. I'll say Sixers and six. If Embiid is close to being healthy for at least three of the games, I think they'll win it in five. The only reason I say seven is because Embiid's not going to be healthy. Right. That's what I think. All right. Bucks, Nets. I'll go first. I'll tell you what. I really want to pick the Bucks. I really want to pick the Bucks. <laughs> I am going to pick the Nets. Okay. Okay. I really want to pick the Bucks. And I I'll, really, I'll... I really love what they're doing. But there's just something in me that just says those three guys together, and you can see them picking up steam. As it goes on. Now, mind you, I think they had a little bit of a letdown in the one loss to the Celtics, you know, and then then we had, you know, Stompgate go on there. But um those two those three guys are just so so good and they and they fit together. I, I didn't necessarily think they would, but they do. Um I hope it goes seven. I will say it goes seven. Um, but I'm gonna take the nets. Okay, uh, I'll go head to head with you here. Um, pick with I, your heart. I mean, just no, no, no. It's not. It's not because I want to go. I yeah. I really think that Giannis is done hearing the crap. I think. I think he's done with it, and um, I think Drew. Uh, and and I told you this before the playoffs started. That you know, like I, I had Sixers and Clippers in my finals. Okay. But I told you my third team was the Bucks. That was my dark horse because we, we talked about how much they've experimented this year. And, you know, the regular season wins weren't the focus. It was about different schemes and defensive coverages and all that. I think that comes into play now. And I think that, you know, having Drew around takes a lot of pressure off of Giannis and it takes a lot of pressure off of Chris. So now that they can operate as their own well-oiled machine, and have their selves surrounded by shooters like Bryn Forbes, PJ Tucker in the corner, whenever he does fire him up, you know, Bobby Portis, uh, you know, all these guys, Pat Connaughton, like, I think they have enough offensively to keep up with the nets. I think, um, especially because we saw that the nets were giving up points galore <laughs> to the, the Celtics, um, which, Probably doesn't bode well for him. Well, I, um, I wonder but, how much of that did the, did the Nets take them seriously? Were they letting their foot off the gas a little well, bit, or is that who they are? Yeah, yeah, exactly. You don't you don't know. So I, I will go with the evidence in front of my eyes, um, and I will look at how the Bucks dissected the Miami Heat, who are supposed to be known for defense, um, and uh, didn't quite turn out that way. So I will, yeah, I'll go with Bucks. I'll go with Bucks and seven. I'll go with Bucks and seven. All right, so then on the other side, we've got 
Well, first of all, let's talk about tonight. We have one that's not determined yet. Clippers, Mavericks. I mean, I think the Mavericks are going to win this series. I think they're okay. going to win. I think they're going to close they it out game six. I do. Now, you have to stay with the Clippers because you picked the Clippers to come out of the West. Yes, oh, wait, I let, Well, I'll let you change your mind. You want to change your mind? Change I don't. Mind. I actually don't. Okay. I actually don't. Um, I think they can win the next two. I know it's a monumental task. Uh, but again, I'm just gonna I'm gonna go ahead and back my guy Ty. Okay. Um, Do you still like the Clippers to beat the Jazz in the second round? That one's tough. That one's really tough. And maybe I'm gonna broach that subject when we get to it. Um, that's tough. That's real tough. I mean, I, I had Clippers and Sixers in my final, so I guess I got to stick to my guns, right? So. Well, but if, if the Ma- hey, but if the Mavs if the Mavs win the series, then I will have the Jazz winning. I have the Mavs win the series, and I'm going to go with the Jazz as well. Okay, um, I just like that backward too much. Okay, you know, um, you from know, a rim, and, from a rim protection standpoint, the, the that, Mavs yeah. have a very very tough problem there, especially with how much pressure you know Donovan puts on the rim and Mike puts on the rim Jordan Clarkson you know all of them get to the rim and what have they not been able to do against the Clippers is stop them from getting to the free throw line and getting inside right i just don't think the Mavericks are going to be able to generate enough stops in a series like that as much as Luka can control the game i just don't think they can get enough stops yeah you know so and then the other one is the nuggets against the suns <sighs> I got to go with the Nuggets. I got I got to go. You've thrown the kitchen sink at them as far as problems go, and as far as setbacks go, and they just don't. They don't give in. They don't give in. Um, okay. I, I know that, the, you know, the Suns are on this mission, and they're hungry just like they were. You know, they ate no bubble and showing what they were made of. Um. But completely, I'm telling you right now, I'm blindsided by the Nuggets. Like I knew that they, you know, they would put up a fight in the series against the Blazers. But again, I had the Blazers winning. Um, I didn't think that they had enough. Uh, But from watching this team, I'm just, I'm enthralled by the way that they can take a punch and get right back up. And that's something that you need. uh, And that is a a championship esque quality. Um, for them to have. And I, I know that, you know, Chris Paul, Jay Crowder, they're going to want their way. And, 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 you know, the young guys are, are hungry, but there's just something about this Nuggets team. And, you know, they have the MVP on the team and, you know, he's MVP for a reason. He's MVP mm-hmm. for a reason. So um, Nuggets in uh, Nuggets in six. That's exactly what I was going to say. Nuggets and six. I think even if Phoenix starts playing Sarch more, I think they're a big short against the Nuggets. And I think Jokic, just like he did in the first round, he's going to be too much for them. I mean, I love watching Devin Booker play, especially, you know, to see him grow into what he is right now. It's fantastic, but. I think the Nuggets just have a little bit too much size and I think are better at hitting shots than the Lakers are. Mind you, I think there's there's teams at the Y that are better than hitting shots better than the Lakers right now. But um, He's getting all of his parting shots in right now. 
He's getting all the parting shots. Hey, you know what? I'm a Laker fan. I like those guys. It's just disappointing when you're watching the guys, you know, you know, you know, that meme of of the guy just, you know, bricking shots, you know, like, you know, that that's kind of what it was. And it, you know, it's funny because they, they've had stretches of the seasons where the Lakers, you know, were hitting plenty, but it's been their problem all season long. And, um, you know, I just think the nuggets with their, their shooting is good enough. I mean, especially if Will Barton can come back. I mean, that's that's going to be a big thing because, I mean, you look at their backcourt and you're saying, oh, what a problem this is going to be. And it, it's been a problem. Guys have kind of band-aided it together and hit some big shots and whatnot, but they need more of that backcourt if they're going to get further in the playoffs. And this is going to be a test for them, but I think they've got enough. And I'm, I like the Nuggets in, in six. couple of uh, amazing young talents being featured in this too. Uh, I, I'm I'm very excited uh, yeah. for, for this series. I think... Uh, it has a very, very good, uh, very competitive uh, feel to it. And, you know, I made this joke on, on Twitter last night because, you know, it, the perspective of, of, you know, LeBron and the Lakers being out of the playoffs. And I'm just like, you know what really makes the playoffs worthwhile? The cities that the teams are in, not the amazing players or the competitiveness of the games and the series. The city, that's what's really most important. So I... I absolutely enjoy the tears from, you know, the, the talking heads and stuff that complaining that they got to go to Denver or to go to the Phoenix or I'm like, okay, go ahead. Yeah. You know, continue to complain and I'll just com- continue enjoying watching the next breed and the next generation take over and create new stars. That, yeah, that's the- what I look forward to. Or even me as a Laker fan, but I'm a basketball fan, I'm an NBA fan. And to see people going, well, who cares about watching now? And the NBA has got to be disappointed. Knicks are out. Lakers are out. You know, okay, blah, go blah, ahead. Blah. Go I'm ahead like, and miss like, Donovan like, Mitchell. Like, miss, miss Devin Booker. Miss all of these amazing talents. Miss Giannis. You know, miss Brooklyn Big Three. Go ahead. Leave. Yeah. Go I ahead. mean, there's so much great young talent. Again, plus, not even young talent. You look at the Nets and their Big Three alone. I mean, that's <laughs> that star power right yeah. there. Miss it's the just, MVP. You know, I'm, like. I'm, yeah, I'm sorry they're not, you know, you, you know, they're they're you know across the river and they're downtown in New York, you know, rather than uptown. But you know, it's just like there's so much good young talent, you know, it, that they're playing in the playoffs to this point. I mean, every year somebody breaks out that really kind of like look out for this guy. Last year was Luca. This year it's Devin Booker so far, you know, and yep. and you you can see this with these guys, man. It's just so much fun. Um to watch and there's so much Trae Young, in the Trae Young going yes. out and, and just shutting up the entire Madison Square Garden. He bowed right? in front of Madison Square Garden. He legit a shot. <laughs> it's amazing. He told him to shut the f up, and then he bowed when he took him out of the out of the out of the playoffs. Like, yes. So I mean, that's the NBA. I mean, the they're in good hands. They're, they're in good, good hands, hands, and this is what I don't get. It, it almost feels like, to some extent, like there is a changing of the guard when it comes to we're stepping to the younger class. I mean, now mind you. It's because, you know, the biggest star in the league in LeBron James is one step older and can he actually turn it on again? And what what are we going to see for him going forward? You right. know, and, you know, Anthony Davis is, he's not really part of the young class, not necessarily part of the older class, you know, whatever. Like right but, in that middle, right in that happy Yeah, middle. he's right in that middle. But I mean, look at so many other younger guys that are like, now it's my time to shine. I'm going to step up, you know, and that's, that's led by Booker. That's led by Luca. That's led by, you know, Embiid. If he could be healthy, Trey Young is out there. So, I mean, Jokic. Hey, if you don't want to watch, right. Fine, just don't cry and poo-poo it all over, you know, social media or whatever. Let people us enjoy hate change. The people I hate think, people I hate think, change. Speaking of change, there's a lot of change going on in Boston, Spencer. 
Yes, I was waiting on it. I was waiting on it. Yeah, I uh, really wasn't quite expecting to wake up to. Um, well, I was. I I didn't get blindsided by the fact that Danny Ainge uh, had parted ways with the Celtics and and retired. Uh, I did not expect to see that Brad Stevens would no longer be the head coach, but the general manager of the team. That was interesting. And what, what's was, his actual What's yeah. his actual title of the position? Is it president it, of basketball operations? Yeah, he's president of basketball operations. Okay. So I mean. I'm with you there because we had talked about this too. And this has kind of been the scuttlebutt around, like there was going to be some major changes in the Boston front office. And, but I always thought, and I believe like Brad Stevens is going to be around as the head coach. He just signed an extension. I thought, and I think I mentioned it here, even like Danny would be moved to like president of basketball operations. Somebody else would come in as that VP GM role. And then maybe Danny would kind of Mike Zarin could have been in. in the, yeah. Mike Zarin know, could have been that guy, you know, but, but you know, you would have seen Danny maybe hold that position for a couple of years, kind of take a little bit more of a backseat, but kind of be like a godfather kind of a guy there a little bit more. And but instead, he's out. You know, he's he's totally out. And I, I mean, Brad Stevens not being the head coach is is a shocker. And you know, for the Boston, which is really big on continuity and you know, kind of having you know the structure that they do there saying we don't need to cast and that we don't need to go looking for anybody else when it comes to, you know, this position, we're going to give it to Brad. We believe in him and, and to find out the stories afterwards too, that Brad Stevens was burned out since the bubble, you know, last year to this year of being a coach and the grind of being on the road that comes with it. I mean, being the GM VP of basketball operations, that's a different kind of grind. Like you don't get any days off in that as well, but you don't necessarily have to be on the road as much. No. And um, we'll see how Brad does. And now the Celtics are looking for, you know, a new head coach and they're looking for probably a new vision on how they're going to shape this team because we expect some pretty big changes coming to the roster in Boston. Yeah. And uh, our Ethan Fuller did an amazing uh, breakdown of, you know, the pros and cons of this move. Uh, Janelle Moore uh, really dug into the the shortcomings of Danny Ainge, even though James Posey, we had so much Celtics stuff on the site two days ago, guys. Uh, James it was Posey, disgusting, man. <laughs> James Posey went in and talked about how good of a job he think that uh, Danny Ainge did, and and you know what he meant to to Posey's career, and you know just the 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 man that Danny Ainge is. So make sure to check that out. But I mean, Danny had that did, position for eighteen years. Oh yeah, two thousand three. And when you look at his track record, when it came to the draft, he was really good at, at drafting top draft picks. The The problem was probably when it came to the lower picks and then deciding on when he wanted to pull a trigger on the trade. And I, I think some people were frustrated and do that more often. I think, I, I think there's both sides of it there, but when it came to his track record of what he did with top draft picks, um, he, he did a great job with that. Ironically, he was the last person to make the leap from head coach to to GM. By the way, uh, there were some years in between, though. So that this is an interesting thing here for for Brad Stevens to be making that leap. But as Ethan detailed, uh, the, you know the pros of this are no one knows these players better than Brad Stevens. He legitimately mm-hmm. coached them, so he knows what their strengths are, he knows what their weaknesses are, uh, what the team needs. We have we've already seen you know rumors out there that Kemba Walker could be on the move. Um, you know, like, so, so he that's going to be that. very difficult, but yeah, I mean, he's owed what 73 million over two years and he's got bum knees. Hey, you know, 
could the Mavs be interested? Like with Kristaps Porzingis? Like could could right you know, right? There, could, there's they, different ways to make it work. Could the Cavs be interested with a Kevin Love? You know, like there, there are bad contracts out there. So I'm sure that there's some oh, that can make it work. Yeah, out. absolutely. You know, and plus, I mean, he's a smaller point guard, but I mean, if his he still has his moments, it's just whether or not he can stay healthy. Yes, absolutely. Um, and, and then you know, you think about the, the the cons is you know, he's not had experience in this position before. I'm sure that he had some input on what some of the roster decisions were. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, just having zero experience as a NBA general manager, that's going to be an interesting, an interesting uh, change yeah. for somebody like that. Well, I'm, you know, when it comes to, you know, what they're going to do with this roster, I mean, can they actually trade Kemba Walker? That's, that's going to be a part of it. I, I can't imagine them trading Tatum or Brown, either one. And Brown would probably be the one that would get more conversation. I can't imagine no. either of them. And I, and I think the Celtics fans, would revolt if either of them got traded, but there's so many other things that they could do. I think, I think Marcus smart is probably going to be moved. That's probably going to be the most ob- obvious. One. Every and team then, can use a Marcus smart, by the yeah. way. So that's a, not a hard a, one. To, he's to a move. movable contract. And uh-huh. then, you know, they've got this huge trade exception, you know, of $28 million that they could use in the off season. So he's got some tools. It's, it's not going to be easy because they obviously, you know, have some, you know, things that they need, you know, for this roster. It's a very thin roster and it's a roster that didn't play a style of ball that Brad Stevens liked. I mean, it was not predicated on ball movement. There was too much, my turn, my turn, your turn, my turn, you know, things like that. You look at the talent that they lost over the last couple of years, you know, when it came to Horford, which maybe wasn't as big of a deal considering, you know, the injuries and drop off he's had, but losing Gordon Hayward, you know, and, and not getting anything back in return, even with Kyrie Irving, you know, they, I mean, say what you will about his stint with Boston. I mean, you lose a talented guy and get nothing back. I mean, that's, that's not Boston's fault. Kyrie wanted to go. Um, it's tough to lose yeah. talent, you know, for free, you know, and um, we'll see what he can do. And, you know, I'm, I'm really curious what they're going to do when it comes to the next head coach, because I know that they're interviewing several of their assistants, but I really believe that if Boston wants to reshape what they're doing, they can interview those guys all they want, but they need to go elsewhere. They need to go outside the family, so to speak, and, and find somebody else. And there's, there's a lot of good, attractive candidates, I think, that are hungry candidates that are assistant coaches um, that they can look at. Yep. And the athletic uh, report, a couple of them, I saw that there, there are a couple in there that, that – uh... Kind of caught you off guard a little bit. Like uh, Carol Lawson was one of them. Carol uh, Lawson I saw that one. Becky Hammond was one of them, even though I think Becky is going to definitely be the succeeder or the yeah. successor to uh, Greg Popovich. But right. you know, like, I, there, there were a number of candidates in there that were like, oh, okay, there's a little bit different flavor. Here's a couple other ones too. You know, like I know people will talk about Jason Kidd. I don't, I don't even know if he's going to get interviewed. I don't know how that, I don't know how Jason Kidd is still getting consideration to be a head coach. Because he's he's a name. He's a name and that's it. I mean, I maybe Portland for him, but outside of that, I don't see him going to Boston. I mean, some of the other ones, and quite honestly, the first name that I thought of when you talked about this opening was Chauncey Billups, Mm -hmm. because I think Mm -hmm. he would be a great fit, you know, plus I, I, I think it can help that team a lot if they had somebody that was more recently a head coach and also somebody that's an African-American um, mm-hmm. for the city of Boston. So I think, you know, what a reunion that would be. Chauncey Billups drafted by the Celtics, only plays 50 games, and now he's back, you know, to man the sidelines, you know. Um, you have uh, Darvin Ham 
with the Milwaukee Bucks, I think would be a choice. And another name that's kind of this assistant, maybe it's people around the league know he is, but maybe not, you know, fans a lot. But Emu Udoka, who's over at Brooklyn, he's another guy that I guess a lot of people around the league think is, yeah, a pop disciple that could, you know, Earn has earned a shot somewhere that mm-hmm. he should probably at least get an interview, if not a serious consideration. So, um, to me, Billups is the one that really stands out. Okay. Um, but we'll see what they do. I mean, Carol Loss will be that would be an outside the box choice, and that would be fascinating as well. Yes. But you know, but um, I, I think they've got some really interesting choices. Like, I understand you've got assistants that maybe you do like, but and then and the Boston way is kind of like keep it within the family or, you know, kind of keep it, you know, within what we already have. But I, I really think they're in a position that they need a fresh perspective. They need to go outside of what they have right now and look elsewhere. Yeah. And it sounds like it's going to come down between them and the Blazers to try and get some of these candidates. Cause I think I've seen Billups also linked to the Blazers. So like you've got, got some interesting, interesting scuttlebutt here coming out in the off season. Do you think but, pop uh, comes back? Who? There's a lot of there's a lot of speculation out there that he isn't. Um, who was it? Was it Robert Ori that said that that uh, he didn't? He this isn't sourced or anything, uh, but he just has a feeling that that was it for Pop. Um, God. he's coaching USA, right? Yeah, he is. Uh, I feel like he's coming back. I feel I think like he probably is back. too. But I, I mean, I can see it either way. He's not gonna make. He's not gonna make a big deal when he goes. He's gonna be like, oh, "All right, see you guys." He's like, gonna be like, <laughs> you know, like, "I'm focusing on my line of wines, and I'm gonna chill every night." You know, it's just like trying to get to that Don Nelson level of of, of hair and yeah. And I mean, I mean, he's he's Mad Max Fury Road right now. But um, I don't know if we're going to um, when that day comes that Pop decides to uh, no longer coach. I don't know if we're going to really see him on the uh, set of uh, TNT or ESPN. You know, I just think he's going to be kind of um, a quiet guy that every now and then somebody speaks to for, you know, on background for an article or something, but that's about it. I agree. I agree. Well, Brian, I think that we definitely uh, took this, the, 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 the length here. (laughs) We're about, uh, about hour and 37 in. Um, Is there anything else that you would like to hit? because I think that uh, that's a pretty good stopping point for us here. I, I think we're already starting to, you know, people are starting to look a little bit ahead to the, uh, the off season and yeah. moves for some of these teams, but you know what? Pump the brakes on that. We still got plenty of playoff action coming your way. And I, I think there are going to be some really, really um, great games and some great matchups coming up here that I'm, I'm looking forward to watching. Yeah. Same here, man. Same here. So uh, we're going to wrap it up right there. Uh, we'd like to tell you that we are a part of the basketballnews.com podcast network. We've got 10 other great podcasts for you to listen to, not limited to the Rex Chapman show with Rex Chapman and Josh Hopkins. We have Neat and Unfiltered with Kenyon Martin and Jadakiss. Kenyon, by the way, wrote an excellent piece. Um, whether you disagree or agree, uh, came up with a solution for these wild fans in the arenas right now that are doing way too much, way, way too much. Um, he proposed a solution. So make sure to go check that out. That's on basketballnews.com. Uh, the postcast with James Posey, Dishes and Dimes with the ladies. Etan Thomas has the rematch, the dunker spot with Nikias Duncan and Steve Jones Jr. One of the fastest growing podcasts, not just sports podcasts, not just basketball podcasts, but podcasts in the nation. So got to check that out. 
They have a uh, brand they, new podcast that came out uh, just last night as well. There you go. It's probably live on basketballnews.com right now. The Alex Kennedy podcast with Alex Kennedy, the Sheridan show with Chris Sheridan, the follow through with Clips and Drew. And of course, NBA Top Shot Weekly with Oliver Maroney and Alex Kennedy. So make sure to go follow those. Uh, some of those happen live like this one right now. Uh, and then others, obviously, you can just go like, subscribe, review, rate. Uh, you can see multiple of our player podcasts on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash basketball news. So, uh, yeah, that is the plug of the day. I would also like to tell you to read all of our articles and player features and all that good stuff on basketballnews.com because uh, we're churning it out and we're your home for playoff coverage, but we will also be your home for NBA offseason coverage, including the draft. Because right now, as we speak, we have the inaugural Tampa Bay Pro Combine uh, happening right now, and uh, it's it's going excellent. If you missed it yesterday, there was a dunk contest, and boy, oh boy, Jim Agatwich, he just tore the roof off the place, so you want to make sure to go check that highlight out. Uh, jumped over Troy Baxter. It was this whole ordeal, but a really great event going on down there right now. So make sure to check that out. We're going to have great reports on that and all your NBA draft prospects, so top to bottom, free agency, uh, draft coverage, all of it, all of it. We're, we're going to have you covered right away. So again, make sure to check out basketballnews.com. And until next time, for Brian Fritz, I'm Spencer Davies. You can find us on Twitter at Spin Davies and him at Brian Fritz. We will see you for our next episode.